Welcome to the Delve Into Money podcast. I am your host, Curtis Haney. This is the personal finance podcast where we attempt to demystify money by reviewing books and applying what we learn to our own financial journeys. Thank you so much for joining me on episode 28 of the Delve Into Money podcast. Today, we'll be talking about the book Redeeming Your Time by Jordan Rayner and digging into how to create systems and processes that will help you reduce the amount of dropped balls and anxiety caused from open loops, as he calls them in his book. Real quickly, let's do an introduction to Jordan, and then we'll jump into the chapter. Jordan Rayner is the executive chairman of a venture-backed tech startup and has been the CEO of multiple companies. We know him, though, as an author and podcaster. He claims his mission is to help Christians respond to the radical biblical truth that their work matters for eternity. He has written books such as The Creator in You, Master of One, and Called to Create. I've read those last two, and they're both great books. And then this last October, he introduced the book Redeeming Your Time, which I read as soon as it came out and really, really loved and enjoyed the book. Redeeming Your Time is about viewing your productivity through the lens of Jesus, and each chapter presents practical practices that you can apply to your own life. He even provides a website in addition to the book with some resources that are extremely helpful. I'll put the link to the book in the show notes. While Jordan approaches it from a Christian perspective, and while I'm a Christian, I am also going to talk a little bit broader than that. So if you are not a Christian and you're listening to this podcast, know that these applications are going to apply no matter what your belief system is. So this is the first of four weeks of us talking about this book. We're structuring these episodes a little bit differently than what we have in the past, relying a little less on the books and a little more on diving into the concepts as applied through the chapters of the books. This week, we'll talk about creating financial systems in our lives to eliminate dropped balls or to handle those open loops. Next week, we'll talk about removing financial noise from your life. And so get rid of those things that are distracting you from your goals. And then the next week, we'll do a deep dive on financial goal setting, where we talk about framework that we use to set goals and how to better achieve them. And in the last week, we'll talk about routines that you can use to control your spending. So it'll be a little bit of a remix on the Tiny Habits episode, but I'm looking forward to that one as well. So let's jump in. Have you ever felt overwhelmed with all the things that you have to get done? Have you ever felt like you're dropping balls? If you say no to either one of those, I don't believe you. I think at some point we've all been overwhelmed with the amount of things that we've got going in our lives. Often, these feelings are a result of open loops, as Jordan Rayner calls them, or unrecorded commitments. When I commit to something, I want to be a man of my word. I'm sure the same applies to you. When we make commitments and don't follow through, we end up being known as someone who's forgetful, unreliable, or flaky. Over time, when others believe this of us, it's impossible not to believe this about yourself. 
The same also applies when you make commitments to you, when you make commitments to yourself. When you can't trust your commitments to yourself, you start feeding the cycle of self-doubt. Benjamin Hardy, who's a PhD, was quoted in the book, says, your identity follows your behavior. Proving to myself over and over again that when I set my mind to something, it didn't matter, I was going to fail at it no matter what. This is an extremely damaging mindset, not only for your reputation, but also for you personally as well. You become someone who embodies and believes that failure is going to happen to them. We want people who from the smallest commitment to the biggest commitment hold true to our word. To be this type of person, we need to create systems that allow for us to follow through. It's easy to count ourselves unreliable, but often we're setting ourselves up to be that way because we've not created systems for handling new information. In chapter two of Redeeming Our Time, Jordan Rayner talks about open loops, which I mentioned earlier. An open loop is an unrecorded commitment you have made to yourself or to others. Jordan identifies three problems with open loops. The first one is that it makes it impossible for us to be fully present. When we doubt that we're remembering everything, we run scenarios in our head, making it hard to be present at work or at home. Just the other day, I was in a meeting at work and recalled something mid-meeting that I'd forgotten two or three times before. I actually stopped the meeting to write it down because it needed to be done. The problem was when the task had popped into my head before, I'd not been at a place that I had good system to record it. And so having open loops makes it hard for us to be present because we've got these things running through our head, distracting us from the task right in front of us. Problem number two is we drop balls and we forget to do things. When we ask someone for something, we'd like to think that we'd only need to ask once. So when we're making a request to someone at work, to someone in our personal lives, to our spouse, to our family, we like to think that we don't have to repeat ourselves, but we know all too well that this is pretty rare. Not only do we get annoyed by others not following through, but we annoy others when we do the same. When we go on vacation and forget to do something we're supposed to do before we leave, we all know that feeling in the back of our mind of of running through all the things that you might not have done. I even at one point was so convinced that I did not lower my garage door that I had a friend go by and check. It was lowered, and so I was either remembering wrong or someone in the neighborhood had been extremely kind and lowered it for us. When we return from a vacation, we are buried in emails. We're buried in all the data that comes from taking a step away for a week or so. When we fail to create a good system, we're just going to drop the ball. And in some cases, we're going to drop it regularly. The third problem with open loops is they cause anxiety and stress. And so we've hit on this a little bit, but we're going to dig into this a little bit more. Jordan says in the book, we always have too much to do, yet we don't always feel stressed and out of control. And this is such a true statement. We have enough stress and anxiety in our lives without adding to it because of our open loops. So let's reflect back on those times that we had too much to do, but we didn't feel stressed or out of control. The reason we didn't feel stressed or out of control is because we had good systems or people in place to make sure our tasks got done. When in a work environment, too many 
dropped balls can result in write-ups or worst-case scenario firing. When at home, it erodes the trust with your spouse. With friends, it can result in not receiving the call for the thing, for the dinner, for the movie, for the hangout night, whatever it is, if you prove to not be reliable, they will no longer include you. All of these outcomes cause stress and plant seeds of doubt in us as we go about our lives. When it comes to our financial lives, drop balls have big consequences. If we fail to pay our credit card on time, you get late fees and interest. This mistake, if repeated, causes a dip in your credit score. That dip in your credit score has all sorts of implications, like a higher interest rate on a car loan, house loan, or not even being able to get the loan. And even without the implications, it's costing you money coming between you and your goals. That $35 late fee is costing you over $350 if invested for 30 years. That's not even including the interest. I know this is a straw man, but if that late fee and interest causes you to not be able to max your Roth IRA, the consequences are big. What can we do to better record our open loops to create a better personal and financial experience? Solution number one, which is one of many solutions in the chapter, but solution number one for me is we need to choose the right workflows. The right workflows allow you to externalize and centralize all your open loops so they will bring them into a spot that they're all easily retrievable and get them out of your head and put them all in one area. And then it will also allow you to organize a comprehensive library of your commitments. So it'll take everything that you've gotten because it's in centralized and in one place, it'll allow you to be able to see them all together and laid out and what that actually looks like. A great system for this is GTD or Getting Things Done by David Allen. I've read this book. If you've not read it, I'll put the link in the show notes. It's definitely a good one to keep out. I will warn you, it is extremely detailed and is extremely overwhelming at first, but you don't have to adopt everything. So don't feel like you have to. To summarize that system, we're going to hit on the high points. First, we want to capture, we want to remove things from our head and commit them to some form of capture. Capture only works if you manage your inventory or containers and empty them on a regular basis. If you fail, to empty them if you fail to follow through, they are no longer viable capture tools. Once captured, we have to clarify what actions we want to take. Random lists strewn everywhere affect your trust in the system and create more stress than they relieve. Once clarify, we need to organize. Organization is key that the proper actions are available when they're appropriate to be acted on. Once organized, we then reflect If the contents are not reflected on consistently enough, the system has gaps that ultimately lead to continued chaos and trouble. And then last, we engage. Engage as we do the things that we've said we're going to do based off the system that we've set up. Don't allow actions and focus to be driven by the latest and loudest input, but instead follow the system you trust. Let me summarize those five steps. Capture, clarify, organize, reflect, and engage. This system, the system of GTD, is about creating inboxes that capture all your data and put them in one place to easily process. Then we want to stick 
to the system. By sticking to it, we create consistency, which creates trust in the system. This is key to maintaining the system because we don't want to touch data again and again. I used to be a person who would go through my inbox and leave things in it day after day. Next thing you knew, it was a month later and I'd missed my deadline. One of the big tenets of this system is the two-minute rule. And the two-minute rule was the biggest thing that I took away from the book and something that I've carried with me and consistently applied to my life. The idea here is that if something takes less than two minutes, you should do it immediately. We are all masters of procrastination, and this rule alone changed the way I approached my work. As I go through my inboxes, if something is taking less than two minutes, I will immediately do that thing. That means that you have to set aside time to go through your inboxes, which I think many of us are sorely missing this step in our process. When you get the right system, the benefits are huge. A few of those benefits are we quickly recenter when chaos inevitably attacks your calendar. There's going to be craziness that happens, but having a good system allows you to recenter on that system even in the midst of chaos. The second benefit is it allows you to be fully present and focused because you're comfortable with what you're not doing. When we're fully present and focused in what we're doing, that allows us to achieve more highly at those things in the future, and it allows us to then do a better job of capturing what happened in that moment. So it's a reinforcing loop. As we do better at capturing our things, it allows us to be more fully present and focused, which allows us to capture even more things, and it kind of reinforces itself over and over again. And the last benefit of the system is we trust that what we're working on are the right things rather than hoping they are. Maybe I'm in this alone when I say this, but there have been times in the past when I just know I'm not remembering something that was important to my week. And so I will work on something that I think is important, knowing in the back of my head that I'm missing something that was supposed to be a keystone project for my week. And then it's only at a later point in time that I realize that I didn't do it, or I'm now on a very short deadline to get it done. So it results in less good work being done. It results in rushing to get a final product, and it results in you underachieving what is possible for you. This sort of system, GTD or any other system you have, needs to be applied to your own life, but it also has huge returns on your financial life. First, you'll never pay a bill late again. Okay, I'm sure this is maybe a little bit of an exaggeration. If you create a great system for handling mail, then set up a regular time that you process your inbox at home, you'll never lose a bill again. This type of system also saves you time. How frequently have you searched your house high and low for those things that you just can't find because you don't know where you put it? Second, this system will help you stop procrastinating on what you need to get done financially. As you intake media or have conversations, 
you'll likely get triggered by, oh, I need to research this index fund or this crypto project or whatever the thing is that you're trying to get done or interested in learning more about. Instead of forgetting about it and delaying the research, when you have a strong capture system, you're able to enter these items into the system and set aside time to research it. This is a system I wish I'd had in 2013. A friend of mine, shout out to you, Matt, was a big fan of Bitcoin. He used it to even buy some tacos, which I'm sure he regrets a little bit today. He told me how great it was and I'd done enough research to agree with him. I, I was convinced that this was something that was going to be big in the future. I had some physical gold and silver that I'd bought as an investment and decided I was going to sell it and I was going to buy some Bitcoin. As I'm sure you can gather, I never took action. If I'd taken action, that couple thousand dollars would now be over $2 million in value. I don't remember my exact reasons for not taking action, but I'm sure it was something along the lines of, I'm too busy. At that point, selling the gold and silver meant listing it on eBay and figuring out how I needed to ship it. Then I'd have to figure out how to buy Bitcoin. While it can definitely be intimidating today, back then it was a whole different beast and even more intimidating. While I look back and shake my head, I realize that we all make these sort of decisions daily. We put off things that we say are important because we are forgetful and lazy people. A great capture system can totally transform your life. And I don't believe that's an overstatement. I don't know. And I can't tell you what would have happened between 2013 and now. And that's why I don't really stress about that bad decision. But when I was reminded about that earlier in 2021, it made me really realize that there are so many things that we think are important in the moment that just go and disappear into the ether. But if we have a capture system, we can take things into that capture system and really analyze if they're worth digging into. If I would have had a good capture system, I could have captured that I wanted to go research how to sell my gold. I could have gone and researched how to buy Bitcoin. Maybe at some point in the process, I still would have stopped. We will never know. But because I never even started, I never even had a chance to get that gain. So again, I want to repeat, a great capture system can totally transform your life, and I don't believe that's an overstatement. So you may ask, what's a good system to use? What's a good product to use to help you capture everything that comes in? This is not an easy answer because there's going to be optimal things that are different for each person. I can't know what anyone's life is like. And so it's, it's impossible for me to answer this in a concrete and clear way. I can tell you that I personally use Notion and have some integration set up that help me manage some of my recurring tasks. As I get comfortable with my system in Notion, I've only been using it for the last two months. I will be sharing the templates for others to use, but the system is still a work in progress at this point. Another great way to capture that I've used in the past is an app called Todoist. You could stick to a physical inbox. You'll probably always have a physical inbox, um, but you could stick to everything being a physical inbox, but you still need to determine how you're going to handle your digital items. When using a physical inbox, I'd suggest that every item is one piece of paper. David Allen talks about writing notes on a blank sheet of paper and putting it in the inbox to process later. And I can confirm that this has worked well for me in the past. 
When you have multiple items on one sheet of paper, it becomes harder to organize and keep up with that system. I'd encourage you that you want to stick with one system as much as possible. A digital system is the only type of system that's portable anywhere and works for physical items too. So my suggestion is that you try and find a digital system that works for you. Once we've got into the weeds here, talking about systems and setting up the right system, and it's really, really important. But once we've created the right system, then within that system, we need to have a weekly review. You can do a weekly review without a good system, but it's going to lose some of its umph if you don't have the right tracking system in place. When you put together any tracking system, it's only as strong as your implementation of that system. That means daily holding yourself to the system, then weekly creating processes to manage that system. And in the past, this is where I went wrong. I didn't see the power in the weekly review. So what happens is you do your daily stuff, and then because you're not reviewing the system on a weekly basis, you end up missing things, which then results in you not trusting the system again, which then results in you regressing to your old ways and not continuing forward with the system. A weekly review sounds like it takes a lot of time, but it really only requires one hour a week at most, sometimes less. And in reality, if you implement a good system, you'll save more than one hour throughout the week because of how well you manage your system. So when it comes down to it, a weekly review is a net positive. So what does my weekly review look like? First, I ask myself some reflection questions. This just takes a few minutes to complete. First, what were my three biggest wins? I reflect on the things I did for the past week and I write down what my accomplishments were. This helps remind me that I was productive, even if it doesn't feel like it. And it helps me record those wins for reference at future points. The second question is, did I make progress on my goals? So I will reflect on my goals. What did I make progress on? What did I not make progress on? This third question is a new one for me, but uh, one that I think is extremely powerful. What did I do last week that is not helping me 10 times my life? So this idea that we want to 10 times our life is as if we is if we daily make improvements, we should look back a year or two years from now and not even recognize where we were today because we've made that much progress. And it's really not as hard as it sounds. And so the question is, is what things did you do last week that held you back from potentially 10-timing your life? And this has helped me reflect on a number of habits that I have, a number of things that are holding me back, and really made me reform the way I'm thinking about certain things. And then the last reflection question is, what personal habits would I like to improve this next week? It kind of goes with the one before. So you reflect on the things that you say you want to do as far as habits go, and you think of ways to improve them just small incremental improvements. If you do this 52 times in a year, you're going to see some significant progress. The second step of my weekly review is I review the prior two weeks of calendar events. I try and pull any tasks out of those calendar events that I might have forgotten to record up to this point. The third step is to review the upcoming two weeks. So I put things on my to-do list that relate to those calendar items so that I can be prepared for those meetings. The fourth step is I clean out all my inboxes. So for me, that's going to be my Notion database. 
That's going to be my email and that's going to be all my physical inboxes at work and at home. The fifth step is to review your outstanding projects. Everything in my life is broken into a project, so I review the tasks for those projects, see if there's anything I'm missing that I need to work on. I then skim what I call someday projects, which are things that are not being worked on right now, but might need to be added to an active project at some point. That should just take, you know, 15 seconds in most cases. The seventh step is I review my tasks to plan the next week. So I will then put my tasks on different days of the week, depending on when they need to be done and try and make sure that I have my week planned out in a way that I can get everything done. And then once I've planned out my week, identify the three biggest items to complete. Now, seven and eight kind of happen in conjunction with each other. So don't hold on the fact that they're seven and eight. They're kind of happening at the same time. I'm looking at all of my tasks, determining what's most important and then allocating the time for those things that are most important. In each week, I try and make sure I complete those three biggest items. And so that's going back to the first question, what were the three biggest wins? Well, your three biggest wins should probably coincide with your three biggest items unless something else that was even bigger popped up during the week. Now let's transition to the weekly financial tasks that I do. This is not part of the weekly review. It's just a task that I have on my task list as I go through the week. But here's what I do. I review my transactions for the entire week. Is there anything that is unexpected? Anything that confuses me that I need clarification on? I find this weekly review of transactions helps with the overwhelm I get when I was doing them on a monthly basis. When I did them on a monthly basis, I could just get into the weeds and that day was always a frustrating day because it felt like I was tracking down a ton of transactions. But when I do it on a weekly basis, it takes me less than 10 minutes, maybe even less than five in a lot of cases, and it keeps me aligned with my financial goals. I then code all of those transactions to the appropriate budget category and then quickly review the categories for progress. This is literally just scrolling down my YNAB app. It's not going deep. It's just seeing where am I, how close am I at, what's coming up, that sort of deal. Then I go check my bank balances. I don't necessarily have to do this, but I think going to your bank websites to check your bank balances is a great way to make sure that everything's syncing to your YNAB system or whatever system you're using. But then it's also a way to make sure that there's nothing that's out of line in those bank accounts. The fifth step, I then go through the mail for any bills that are due. The sixth step, I then check my email for all receipts. I mostly just look at the titles to see what comes through. This can then help me with reviewing my transactions, tagging those. And then this is pretty easy because I have in my email all of my receipts going to one folder. So I just open that folder and I just scroll through that folder. If there's anything of interest or anything unexpected, I'll click in it and see what that charge is. Then on a monthly basis, I track our budget for the last month and set up a new one. So I just review all of those budget categories, set up a new one, kind of mirroring that, thinking about any changes that might be happening. Then I go check all of our accounts, being credit card, bank accounts, retirement accounts, just by logging into those accounts, making sure everything looks good. And then as I'm doing that, I update our net worth tracking to make sure that there's not too big of a difference or dip or whatever it looks like between this month and last month. So that is 
my weekly and monthly financial review process, as well as my just general weekly review process. I know that this week's episode was a lot of information. You may have to listen to this twice to be able to to take all this in. This is a little bit deeper dive and a little bit information intensive, even more than even some of the other ones will be. So I hope that you stuck with this. I'd love to hear suggestions that you have if you could, um, if I could improve on this style in any way. So let me do a brief recap to kind of remind you of all the things that we hit. It says we all have anxiety related to being productive and getting things done. The best way to combat this is to get rid of open loops in your life. We do this through creation of the right system. The right system allows us to recenter quickly when inevitable chaos comes, be present, and trust that things will work out. We talked briefly about the GTD or getting things done system by David Allen and how the right capture process can literally change your life. Tools like Notion and Todoist are great ways to create a digital system. After you set your system up, we need to implement a weekly review. This is the glue that holds the whole system together, and it cannot be stated enough how important this is. Within that weekly review, we need to weekly track our numbers. Transactions, categories, and account balances are all quick and easy to look at and can have a big return over time if we track these just a little bit closer. Again, this is something that takes you less than 5-10 minutes to do each week. That is a wrap. So thank you so much for joining me on this episode. If you enjoyed this and want to share it with someone, I'd love if you would share it. I'd love if you would rate and review this podcast. You can always find me at delveintomoney.com or on Twitter by my name, Curtis Hanny and Curtis with a K. So until next week, remember, healthy financial decisions are intentional financial decisions. Intentional decisions this week lead to a healthy financial future. Start today and we'll see you next week.